Hi, everybody. Welcome to Election Pro... Oh, hold on. Got to uh, turn on my USB microphone. Might as well have a cigarette while I'm at it. I don't get it. Is That's what your USB mic sounds like? That's a reference to uh, my childhood sound effect styles on all my... Oh, yes. All my stories. When the guy is... The guy has exited the restaurant after his date with a beautiful woman, and he's walking down an alley, and he decides to turn on his Sony boombox. Is it a beautiful woman or a foxy lady? A foxy lady. Yeah, foxy lady. Then he lights a cigarette. (laughs) Then he opens his car door. And we're back. And we're back. And we have to bring the energy. And we're a we little have to create, bit rusty. Hmm? We, yeah, we have to create our own energy. Is that yeah, true? Been, yeah, if you're a, a, you know, like if you're away for a month. Yeah? Yeah, I, I was extra nervous leading up to this. This is a big day. It's We've returned. We're back in the spotlight. It's the beginning of the new season. Season four of Election Profit Makers. We're turning over a new leaf now that it's autumn, and I hope the leaf falls and looks quite pretty for all you leaf peepers out there. Huh? Yeah. Huh? <laughs> Chlorophyll? Huh? Huh? All right. Let's really start. Let's really do a good job now. All right. On the count of the counter, on a reverse count of three, we'll do a good job. Three, two, one, go. Hi, everybody. It's me, Davey. Hey, it's John. Okay. We're gonna I didn't, I, I reverse thought you were count gonna... of three. We're really going to do a good job. All right. Three, two, one. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Election Profit Makers, your favorite podcast about winning and losing money on political outcomes and current events. And boy, oh boy, during the span of our four-week hiatus, there has been an abundance of current events. We are truly blessed with the amount of current events that are zipping across our telephone, TV, and radio waves as we process all the horrors and drama that the world has produced for our delectation. My name is Kid Midas, the original wave rider, and I'm joined on the line by one and only Long John Silver. Hey, David. Hey, everyone out there in podcast land. I hope you're doing well. What the hell was that sound? That sounded like a huge sloshing bucket. Was that water? Yeah. Oh, great. That sounded great. It's uh, lukewarm water. Mm. Just the way I like it. It's it's better for your voice. Is that true? Yeah. Oh, no wonder I always sound so horrible because I drink really cold water straight from the Brita filter within me refrigerator. Yeah. Try try it. I, okay. I don't know if it works. I just I just Googled it a second ago. I felt like I had a frog in my throat. Mm. I Googled, how do you get rid of a frog in your throat? Mm. And then it said, some lukewarm water. And then I mm. got some. And here we are. In Star Wars, the main character's name is Luke Skywalker. Do they ever refer to the temperature of things as lukewarm in the Star Wars universe? Do you know, John? You're a Star that Wars fanatic. A, mm, I don't think so. Okay. But I, I really wouldn't know. But okay. that would be funny. Right? Yeah. If Han Solo was like, hey, pass me some of that lukewarm porridge, kid. <laughs> or sorry, should I say Skywalker warm <laughs> porridge? Would that be a yeah. good line of dialogue? Those yeah. first Star Wars are so c- corny. That could be a line yeah. of dialogue. Weren't they all sort of? 
I think they got a little more self-serious as they went along. But I think those early ones are just a bundle of fun and they're just a little bit corny. Hmm. You know, when he's like, um, he's like, kid, go go get your lightsaber. We're going to, we're going to go. I I don't know. I can't remember. They go to the Death Star. Remember? They go to the Death Star. Obi-Wan Kenobi dies Hmm. and uh, Luke Skywalker gets his hand chopped off. That's in the second one. The Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. The second one, he gets his hand chopped off and the movie ends. I don't. And somebody falls into a big hole. I remember that about Star Wars. Somebody falls into a big hole. It was uh, Darth Vader, wasn't it? Well, there's one moment where somebody, where a guy falls into something known as the Sarlacc Pit on Tatooine, I think it is. Remember in Jabba? Remember Jabba the Hutt? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Enough. Okay. It's enough that you remember Jabba the Hutt. I think we should move on and discuss it. Okay. Uh, discuss other topics of the day. You want to talk about Israel? Uh, Speaking of Star Hamas? Wars, two of the stars of the Middle East are engaged in a new war. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's new. Yeah, pretty new war. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, you have any hot takes on it? Here's my hot take about Israel versus Hamas. Okay. My hot take is not only do I not have a hot take, I feel no compunction, obligation, or desire to have anything to say about this particular horrible situation. Okay. That's fair. I don't it's kind of like school shootings. Like, I don't know. What what is there to say? I have nothing to add to this conversation. Well, you you need to condemn school shootings. Well, I I would assume that that goes without saying. Okay. I also, as long as I'm condemning things, not only do I unequivocally condemn school shootings, I also condemn Hamas and Netanyahu. Boom. Mic drop. Okay. I also condemn all bad people who seek to hurt others for no good reason. How about that? Okay. Is that a good statement? Yeah, that's good. These are the types of situations. This, I mean, we've talked at length about my delight in the post 9-11 battle between Christopher Hitchens and Noam Chomsky in the pages of The Nation magazine. Mm -hmm. I've never felt more alive than I did reading those two people go at each other. I get so depressed reading about Israel and Hamas and all this stuff. The occupation, the terror attacks, the tunnel networks, the ethnic cleansing, the humanitarian catastrophes, the torture, the bloodshed. But I love reading about people issuing statements on support of one side or the other. And then those people gain pretty hard because someone gets pretty happy with them. Uh, I know that those issues are important, too, but but in relative to the actual bloodshed and horrors that are going on in the Middle East, the stories about, I don't know, you know what I'm talking about? Some celebrity issues, some statement, and then people get mad at them. They're like, oh, I forgot to mention in my statement that I also condemn blah, 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 blah. Right. No, I think there's a lot of feelings. Um, I personally decided to weigh in on Twitter at one point after I decided I wait, I waited like uh, two weeks or something. And then I was like, now, now it's safe to weigh in. What did you weigh in? What the fuck did you weigh in on? I just jumped in and said, Hamas is really good. And <laughs> they, you have to give them credit on some things. No, I, I jumped in on uh, 
what what I viewed as sort of a news story. It wasn't because I'm not an expert on missiles or explosions or um, artillery or things like that. But I I follow a lot of those type of experts, and it was about this hospital bombing. Oh my god, this hospital bombing and killed scores of people. And it was horrible. And, you know, there was just a lot of finger pointing from both sides. And you definitely can't trust what Hamas says. And you certainly shouldn't take the IDF at face value based on many of the things that they've uh, said in the past and then backtracked on. So I was trying not to rely on them. I was just trying to rely on some of these uh, open source intelligence type guys, Mm. some guys who are total quacks and others who are not. Is this like game theory guy? Remember no, he's not game oh, theory okay. guy, but it's a lot of guys like Bellingcat, as you may know. Um, the head of Bellingcat is actually at the New York Times. He's head of their investigative, visual investigation. Bellingcat is that a name or it sounds like a tractor company? It sounds like yeah, they make it does build kind of bulldozers. Sound like that. But no, it's a it's a a group that follows these wars and and okay. So yeah, I jumped in and retweeted some people that um, had some opinions, some opinions that I thought. It looked like that was heading in the right direction and that Israel might not have been responsible for that um, bombing. Not that they haven't been responsible for other bombings or future bombings, but that that particular bombing, it looked like the data was heading in a certain direction and that all of the media people and particularly a lot of people on the left that I trust had been like way out over their skis saying that it definitely was Israel that did this. And I uh, retweeted some people that said that they didn't think Israel had done it. And um, yeah, there's still a lot of questions and a lot of things that still haven't been confirmed. But I, I do think the most of the information points in that direction. So, and it pissed somebody off on on the Discord, which that's fine. Yeah. Everybody's, everybody's stressed out. Tensions are running high. Yeah. I think at this point, now that I've reached late middle age, in these types of circumstances, my sense of equanimity, not about the situation going on in the world, but people's reaction to it, maybe this is why I also feel less compelled to say much about it, other than the fact that we've been talking about it now for like two and a half hours on our podcast, but it's kind of like, any like everyone's, everyone's upset, like... I don't mean to say, like, everybody calm down. I don't mean it in a condescending way, like, hey, guys, what are you getting so upset about? It's no big deal. I don't mean that at all, but it's kind of like, yeah, if someone explodes at you in frustration, it's like, yeah, it's fine. Everything sucks. Like, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. This sucks. It's a horrible situation. How's that for a take? Maybe I could go viral with that take. I think I felt felt it not in that, oh, somebody's upset, but that somebody was, you know— yeah, saying that I didn't know what I was talking about. Oh, did that trigger you? Yeah, that triggered me because I like to know what I'm talking about. Right. But sometimes so, you don't. We all remember the goal line stance debacle. Oh, God, that was awful. You want to explain uh, what that is? No, I don't. Okay, fair enough. Let's keep it moving. Let's keep it moving. So, so John, what does this latest uh, war in Israel and the Gaza have? Uh, how does that portend for Biden's reelection chances? Is it too early and gross to start talking about that? It sounds like Muslim populations in Michigan and Pennsylvania, which will both be swing states in 2024, might not turn out with the same enthusiasm that they would have otherwise. Hey, that seems like a decent uh, theory. 
Thanks. I read about it in the newspaper. Yeah, I know. I've seen those too. I'm, I'm not talking about it, but I, I have read some of those things. It's certainly something to be anxious about beyond the war itself. How long will the war last, John? I thought it would last not very long because Gaza is pretty small. But then I saw some expert on Twitter whom I cannot remember and probably isn't an expert at all that said. Well, did they have uh, a blue they, check mark? That's a good way to tell. I know. That's the thing now. Is it yeah, some fucked. experts have a blue check mark and it's a legit blue check mark. But most of the time, if it's a blue check mark, you're like, uh, I don't know anymore. Right. So I can't remember if they did. It doesn't matter. Uh, and they said that it was going to take a really long time. Mm. So that's bad. I mean, I understand why Ukraine is taking a long time. That's a lot of players there. Big armies, big country. Well, people are talking about the world about um, World War Three starting. Is that going to happen? Uh, I don't know. I don't hmm. think so. No, I don't think so. I don't kind of don't think so either. I mean, a broader war is going to happen. Like, you know, anytime these things happen, missiles just start flying all over and landing and all these various other places. But um, no, it doesn't seem like World War Three to me. Why don't we have any predicted markets about whether World War Three is starting or not? Predicted is still stuck now at 20 markets. And they don't even have anything about the fucking speaker. You, can you imagine the negative risk that you could have had going this week oh my God, with the GOP yeah. speaker vote? I know. Jordan and Emmer, I think, is, is Emmer... Emmer has been selected by the caucus to stand for election in the House as GOP House Speaker as of but, this morning. But he already has 26 no's on the last roll call. Well, so. there we go. It's so that, all happening. Yeah, it's not good. I think, you know, that other website that we can't participate in because we're in the U.S., uh, Poly Market has some probably has some markets on this. I know they do have a market on who bombed the uh, hospital. Are you although, serious? Although how can you know at this point? Who who who's who do you trust? How do they resolve that market? I don't know. I, I mean, this is like the UN says who did it or maybe the US. I mean, the US is supposed to be impartial, but you know, weapons of mass destruction, they they they've made some mistakes. What is going on in the world? What is up with humanity? Is that a good question to ask? Yeah. I guess it's never, I guess we never get any better or worse, right? There was always crazy stuff going on. Even in olden times, people were drawn and quartered. There were crusades, there were genocides, there was mass starvation. There was all kinds of stuff. But the fact that I'm alive during this period of time makes me uniquely invested in the character of contemporary life. And sometimes I can't help but look around Take a deep breath and say, y'all, what is going on? Yeah. What is up with this bullshit? You know what I mean? I mean, I'm catching mm -hmm. this bullshit coming and going, John. It doesn't yeah. matter if I'm on my sofa, a bus, or a rocket to the moon. The bullshit always catches up with me. Yeah, I, I hear that. Yeah. Real talk. We we decided for this new season of election profit makers, we were going to come back with no holds barred truth. Okay. And if you can't handle it, you are officially invited to kiss my grits. All right, let's move on. 
Okay. You want to do a portfolio update? I just want to talk so, about Tim Scott. This fucking okay. guy. You just when things couldn't get any worse, fucking Tim Scott, who I bought at nine cents, is now down at two right. cents. What happened? He biffed it. This dude. <laughs> listen to this article from Politico from the other day. The headline is I'm disappointed. Even Tim Scott's friends and fans. See a campaign on the ropes. Mm. Let me just read one. This is mm-hmm. just when you thought the world couldn't get any more fucked up and bleak. Listen to Tim Scott's misfortunes. <laughs> After months of staying out of the conversation, the South Carolina Senator Tim Scott is now sputtering below 2% in national polls. On Saturday, Scott's hometown newspaper called for the Republican field to coalesce not around Scott, but rival South Carolinian Nikki Haley to take on Donald Trump. Mm. Even some prominent Scott fans, like David Reese of Los Angeles, California, are beginning to acknowledge Scott's presidential campaign has been a disappointment and that his path forward appears dim. Quote, in talking to people here at home, what they have told me is that it's unfortunate that the Tim that they know in South Carolina is not the Tim that people may be perceiving in Iowa and New Hampshire and other states Says Mark Sanford, the former South Carolina Republican governor and U.S. representative who attended Scott's May campaign launch. launch. Senator John Cornyn from Texas praised his colleague as, quote, a spokesman for the, quote, Reagan hopeful optimistic message, but conceded it hasn't seemed to convince the party's voters. Oh, really? You don't think today's GOP wants an, a hopeful optimistic message from their presidential candidate? Cornyn says, quote, I'm disappointed because he's such a terrific guy and has got a great message. Yeah, he's going to do a good job if he's going to get elected. (laughs) So my theory that Tim Scott would be the last man standing after Trump keeled over dead and DeSantis was called out for his lizardness. And I thought Tim Scott would be next in line for the role of president, the role of a lifetime. Um, But it sounds like that's not happening. Nikki Haley is whooping him. And like I said, he's gone from nine cents, which is where I bought him, to two cents. So once again, Kid Midas, the original wave rider, everything I touch turns not to gold, but to lead. John, what are we to make of this national tragedy? Fucking Vivek Ramaswamy is trading at four. And we've got... and Vivek Tim, is down to oh, four. Oh, Tim Scott's down at one seat. He's down to one cent. Oh, for crying out loud. Can't go lower than that. Oh, for yeah. crying out loud. Fucking Glenn Youngkin at four cents. Ron DeSantis at 11. Nikki Haley at 13. Donald Trump at 71. Tim Scott is down to a penny per share. Why do we do this podcast? Nobody should listen to my advice ever. That's clear, right? Have I mentioned that before? I don't. I don't think anyone should listen to my investment advice because I'm taking a beating on this Tim Scott market. Oh, the best laid plans of mice and men for crying out loud. I did not know that uh, Vivek was down so low. Yeah. His, his, his time to shine has come and gone. Yeah. Trying to think where, where I uh, shorted him. Good for you. Good for you. Yeah. Good for me. I don't have much to add to the Tim Scott conversation. I just wanted, like with Israel and Hamas, I just wanted to acknowledge the situation and say it bums me out and I have nothing to add to it. And I do not feel compelled to share my hot takes because, friends, I have no hot takes. I am merely a passive observer. John, there used to be a gigantic superhero in the Marvel Universe, and he was called the Watcher. And he was this big, huge man who was as big as the moon, and he would just float in space and watch everything. Are you serious? But he wouldn't. Yeah. 
It was like the weirdest superhero. Like that's that's your superpower is you just watch everything and you're passive. Like it's like what, God. Your superhero your superhero power is that you're a couch potato. It was one of those Marvel superheroes. Like they were getting really trippy. I think I think some of the people at Marvel Comics in the sixties and seventies were experimenting with drugs. Because everything got really trippy. Doctor Strange was really trippy. And then they're like, what's weirder than a man who can fly, quote, faster than the speed of thought? And they came up with this guy, the Watcher. He had a cape. He looked like a superhero. But I think he was an alien. And he lived on Neptune or something. And he would just say, I am the Watcher. I observe humanity. (laughs) I don't do anything. I just watch. It's like, that's me. That's what I'm doing reading this comic book. Are you a proxy for me? Are you a stand-in for the reader? Like, what's going on? It's getting too, it's getting too, too metatextual. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I think I get it. Yeah, Marvel Comics. It was too weird. You read all those comics. I read a lot of them, and I think it started to make me uncomfortable because I was like, "Is this, is this the drugs talking?" Stanley would be like, "You know, Stanley in Marvel Comics, he always has like, no." Well, no. Stanley was this guy who started Who's Marvel Comics. Stanley, Stan Lee. It's not a first name. It's his first oh, and last. Stan, Stan Lee. Lee. I thought you were saying. You know the the Stanley. Stan oh, he right. was friends with the Watcher. That's what I thought you were talking about. Another That's, character. I would read that comic. Okay. The Watcher right. and Stanley, and okay. they just hang Stan out. Stan Lee. Stan yeah. Lee was like the founder of Marvel Comics. He invented all these great superheroes, mm-hmm. and and he would be like, there would be a moment in Marvel Comics when like X Men or, or um, <clears throat> Nightcrawler would be like. I can't believe you I can't believe you came back to fight me again, Memento or Magneto. And then there'd be a little asterisk. And then you go down to the bottom of the page and there'd be a little note that says, if you're confused, go look at the amazing X-Men number one four six. Talk to you later, Stanley. Like he was always like leaving messages in the comics for the readers. Do you know what I'm talking about? Did you ever no. read comics? No. Jesus fucking Christ. Well, now we're never gonna go viral. Wait a minute. Hmm. Do I need to get into comics now? You need to get so into comics. Comics are such a big deal. Still? Every movie that you see is made from a comic book. The Avengers. And they're still making comic books now. They are still making comic books like nobody's nobody's business. And there's like comic book stores. Yeah, there's like a comic book store like within a 10-minute walk (laughs) from my house. I'm stupid, right? No, you're not. This is a perfectly normal conversation. I thought comic books was like something from the 1950s. It's it's exists now. Yeah, they still make comic books. It's really fucked up, but they still make comic books. Okay. In fact, a lot of but this is what's so interesting, John. I'm so glad we're having this conversation. This is a conversation that's long overdue. And it's so good that we're having this conversation. A lot of things that you see on movies and television, you would never know they're based on comic books because they're not superhero based, but they are based on comic books. Have you ever heard about a show? It was a hit show. It was called The Walking Dead. It was about zombies. Yeah. That's based on a comic book. That was called The Walking Dead? Yeah. It was based on wow. a comic book. So isn't that interesting? Comics that are everywhere. This fucking Israel-Hamas war is probably based on some comic book somebody wrote. You know okay. what I mean? It's out of control. It's out of control. And I'm sitting here just like the watcher up in, up in my planet. Hmm, I'm watching these tragedies unfold. Yeah, I know all the movies are based on comics. You've got the X-Men, the Spider, Spider-Man, Avengers, et cetera, et cetera. Spider-verse. The Marvels, Marvel, Mrs. Marvel, Wonder Woman, mm-hmm. a lot of stuff. Superman. So, how could I, oh, Batman. Speak, speaking of Batman, hello. Batman and Robin. 
and Robin, the movie that kicked off the um, modern comic book renaissance, Batman. Yeah. That's right. Tim Burton's Batman. Tim Burton. 1989 or 1990 when Batman came out. Mm-hmm. Batman. A new twist on a classic tale. Batman. But why haven't there been any Supermans since 1984? John, it will... I'm about to blow your mind. There have been like four or five Superman movies in the movies? last 20 years. Yeah, man. Yeah. They made a bunch of Superman movies. And, and I and guess they, they just... Failed? Up, up and away flew right over your head. No, I think they were hits. I think they even made one called Superman versus Batman where they fought each other over a misunderstanding. Mm. I'm telling you, man. They big like the Batman movies. No, they're not as big. They'd, I think they didn't capture the cultural imagination the way some of those Batman movies did. But there have definitely been modern Superman movies. I haven't seen any of them, but there have been Superman movies. Okay. Oh, my God. I tried watching this one Batman movie that starred Robert Pattinson. Do you know him from- um, Yeah. Twilight? Yep. Very pale. I could not get through that fucking... Why does every Batman movie have... I know this is like such a cold, cold take. Why does every self-serious Batman movie have to be eight and a half hours long? Like, what's going on? You know what I mean? Mm, I thought every movie is now really long. They, I saw. I saw. It was now that we're just riffing and getting back into the flow of our podcast and doing <laughs> now, the best. Now this time, this episode. Now that we're, we're really flowing. I okay. saw Killers of the Flower Moon, not based on a comic book, amazingly, and that was right. three and a half hours long. Too long or uh, too short? I I had no issues with the length one way or the other. I thought it was I I didn't I didn't like check my check my watch or actually at one point I was like, what's going on? How much longer is this? I think I was two hours in and it felt like we were just getting started. And how many thumbs up would you give it? Is that what they do? Uh, or star. I I'm glad I saw it. I thought there were a couple of moments there. Were, there was one death scene that was absolutely breathtaking and and worth the price of admission. And I really liked the ending. The ending made me tear up a little. I I surprisingly laughed out loud a couple of times. There were a couple of moments I thought were really funny. And I thought the uh, star of the movie, Lily Gladstone, she plays um this character named Molly who marries Leonardo DiCaprio. She was awesome. She was great. But John, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something just between the two of us. Robert De Niro, this is one of those things, John, let's really get into this. And you're and you're the perfect person to talk to about this because you know so much about show business. Mm-hmm. I, some, I have this issue where I can't tell if someone's a good actor or not. Like Robert De Niro, I never for one second forgot I was looking at Robert De Niro. It was a complete distraction to me every time he was on scene, on screen in this movie. Okay. And it really bugged the shit out of me. It was like, he plays like this kind of menacing character. I was like, man, if this had gone to an actor who I wasn't so familiar with, this character would have been blood curdling and bone chilling in their intensity. But because it was Robert De Niro, it was like, I can't believe this dude is still, I don't know, man. So I was playing like a Cape Fear type. It's not that over the top. He's not. But okay. it's he's playing come a. Out, come it's not out a wherever you are. <laughs> yeah, I kind of love that Cape. Fear. I kind of think that's a great, fun, campy movie. I think so too. If you just take it as just like a fun drive-in B movie, yeah. it's pretty good. And Robert De Niro is really chewing the shit out of the scenery. Like yeah. he's going crazy yeah. in that movie. Yeah. Hey, you know, speaking of Cape Fear, we did that as a um, like an EPM watch party or movie club, right? Yeah, that's right. North Carolina movies. 
Although it was filmed in Florida, we did. Yeah. But it takes place in North Carolina, right here in the Cape Fear River Valley. So, um, we we are we should now should we mention that we oh are fuck gonna, yeah man let's do it we're coming you know back what? guns we're, blazing we're back in it we're back, back in, it. in it in it to win it we might be stumbling out of the gate today but by Thursday what's happening on Thursday Johnny we are going to have a live watch party which we'll also record so if you don't listen to it live you will be able to listen to it later and sync up your video and we are going to watch the movie. This is John's special request. This is one of John's. John has seen like eight movies in his life. Yeah. And this is one of them. Look how happy you are. We're going to watch Cable Guy. <laughs> or as I just recently discovered, it's The Cable Guy. I had no idea. This is a Jim Carrey vehicle from the 90s, which was truly, it seems, ahead of its time. And it did horribly. It bombed at the box office. Many critics did not enjoy it at all. But looking back on it, it's like, is this the wellspring of all modern comedy? Like, it feels very influential. It really does. And, and, and I'm not a huge Jim Carrey fan. It's not necessarily Jim Carrey in this. Right. Um, it's just everything. Mm-hmm. It's, it's great. I think there's great acting in this. <laughs> I'm so, I haven't seen it since probably the Owen 90s. Owen Wilson, Matthew Broderick. Yeah, that's right. Janine Garofalo. Janine Garofalo. I mean, this is late 90s distilled to its very right. essence, a certain sensibility. So we're going to watch that on Thursday. Thursday, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific. You log on to our Discord, which you can access if you join the Patreon. And there's a channel on the Discord. I think it's called Watch Party. Is that yes, correct? That's correct. And John and I will be in there with our audio. We will all sync up our video players because you can rent the cable guy i think on itunes and probably a bunch of other places too and then we all press play at the same time and then you watch the movie as john and i inform and delight you with our commentary about it much to consider much to discuss with this comedic masterwork that's the cable guy epm watch party thursday october 26 8 p.m eastern 5 p.m pacific you join the patreon you get the invite to the Discord, you go to the Discord, you click on the watch party. We'll all have some laughs. We'll all have some fun during this miserable uh, era. How about that? Sounds great. I'm excited. Uh, in the interest of our own mental health, let's skip all the stuff about North Carolina gerrymandering. Did you read the News and Observer has this big report about how bad the GOP gerrymandering is now in North Carolina, worse than it's ever been? Yeah. I mean, it's on, on the congressional level and then on the state level as well. You know, just to briefly say the current U.S. House maps in North Carolina are split 7-7 between the Democrats and the Republicans, and they're going to redraw the maps. So they have – the Democrats will have three of the 14 congressional districts instead of seven. And mind you, North Carolina is – Roughly a 50-50 state. Trump won North Carolina 50 to 49. So 7-7 seven, seven is where it should be or somewhere close to that. But it is going to be 11 to 3. North Carolina is – is it's, 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 it's in the toilet. We were yeah. all so excited after – what was it? 2008? Yeah. And it's really just not happening for old North Carolina. And it will have implications on a national level too, obviously, because those House – Seats are important. Let's talk about that some other time. I'm getting, okay. I'm getting right. too bummed out. 
and this is our first week back. We're trying to have fun. We're trying to remind everybody that we're good company and that we're great. Um, while you're washing your dishes, we want to just have fun and bring a smile to your face. We should mention, speaking of North Carolina, that David is going to be playing at the Cave oh, in Chapel shit. Hill, North Carolina, on Sunday, November wow. 26th. Wow, John. At 8 p.m. Eastern wow. Standard Time, I believe it will be at that point. John, thank you for reminding me. Folks, if you live in North Carolina, I'm playing my first ever crazy music gig, bleep bloop stuff. I'm bringing all my devices and pedals and patch cables to Chapel Hill. Sunday, November 26, 8 p.m. I'm opening for Speed Stick, the almighty band Speed Stick. Yeah. And it's at my favorite bar in Chapel Hill, the Cave, the Subterranean Bar. And boy, oh boy, it starts at 8 p.m. And this is going to be a lot of fun. So please come. Please come support me as I debut publicly my bleeps and my bloops. It's all happening in North Carolina. It's all happening in North Carolina. Good and bad. John, I uh, was in correspondence with a mutual friend of ours, um, who you know, because you were also in correspondence with him on the self-same text thread. This friend was kind enough to forward to us uh, a, a, a website that his uh, stepmother had sent to him. <laughs> and this website was had a new feature called Halloween Knock Knock Jokes. Now, friends, Halloween is just around the corner. It's actually a week from today. We're recording this on Tuesday, October 24th. And our friend's stepmother had, I guess, is a regular reader of a website called conservamommy.com. Mm-hmm. And that's conservamom with the letter E. So really, conservamommy or conservamom, I guess, or conservamommy. Now, I assume based on that URL that this was about being a conservative mother. Maybe it was like a homeschooling website or something like that. But I think it's actually for moms who want to conserve time. As they go about their busy day, conserve a mommy. Really? I think that's what it is. Yeah, when I read the mission statement of the website. <laughs> wow. And okay. our theory is, and we're going to put it to our listeners, our theory is that one way you can conserve time is when you want to publish your feature on knock-knock jokes, you have chat GPT write the knock-knock jokes. Because that's much quicker than trying to generate your own knock-knock jokes or dealing with the licensing of republishing pre-existing knock-knock jokes. So in the interest of putting a smile on everyone's faces, I'm going to read some of these knock-knock jokes. Now, this is not an exhaustive selection. I have chosen some particular gems that made me LOL. You tell me, listener, whether these knock-knock jokes were written by human or some otherworldly presence in the spiritual realm known as artificial shitty intelligence, otherwise known as ASI. But first, I'm going to read this marvelous opening paragraph that precedes the actual jokes. Halloween knock-knock jokes for kids. Halloween is around the corner, and it's always a fun time to introduce some Halloween knock-knock jokes. (laughs) These come just in time for the spooky season. These knock-knock Halloween jokes are perfect for kids of all ages. So if you're ready to tickle your funny bone with some skeleton jokes or Frankenstein jokes, then grab your yummy Halloween candy and get ready to enjoy the best knock-knock jokes, some corny knock-knock jokes, and some funny Halloween jokes. (laughs) So whether you're heading to a Halloween party or in search of some Halloween riddles, then check out this great Halloween knock-knock joke collection. 
These simple but fun jokes are perfect for any kind of monster. And the best thing is that they're not scary, but fun. You won't need much Halloween candy to enjoy all these fun jokes. Just some Halloween spirit and ready for a fun time. Happy Halloween. All right, now I'm going to read some of these knock-knock jokes. Knock-knock. Who's there? Ghost. Ghost who? Ghost to the door and get more candy. Hmm. So, okay, let's just proceed. Knock, knock. Yeah. Uh, Who's there? This is one of my favorites. Sorry, I have to restart it. Okay. Knock, knock. Who's there? Ghost. Ghost who? Ghosts. Ghosts like candy, too. (laughs) What? Knock, knock. Who's there? Dracula. Dracula who? Dracula up all the treats with a cape. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I love to Dracula <laughs> up. You know what? when you just want to, when you're Draculing up all the things in your cape? That mm-hmm. must be drag, right? That's some kind of thing. Yeah, all right, let's drag what? up all the treats with right. a cape. Okay. But it's Dracula. Right. This is the best one. Okay. Knock, knock. Who's there? Vampire. Vampire who? Vampire goodie bags are ready. <laughs> That's not how they must. This uh, is when this is when I was like, mm, I don't think a, I don't think a human wrote these jokes, right? This has got to be Chat GPT. Mm, well, I don't know. This one's pretty good. Knock knock. All right, who's there? Vamp. Vamp who? Vamp ire or treat? Yeah, that one's pretty good, John. <laughs> knock knock. Who's there? Blood. Blood who? Blood-sucking vampire wants your candy. That one's not bad. Mm, it's bad. That's not how... It, the stru- That's not... It's because it's not a pun. A knock, knock-knock jokes are based on puns, right. right? It should be something like knock-knock. Who's there? Uh, ghost. Ghost who? Ghost to show you it's hard to make knock-knock jokes or something I mean, like that. Right there, that's perfect. Yeah, that's something a good like yeah, that, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Not, it shouldn't be knock-knock, who's their blood, blood who, blood-sucking vampire wants your candy. Huh? No. How about this? Knock-knock. Who's there? Ghost. <laughs> Ghost who? Ghost horse. Got out of the barn. What the fuck? <laughs> I was trying to do it like they did it. Oh, right. Didn't yeah. They? Okay. <laughs> okay. I, okay. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Just, uh, yeah. Knock, knock. Who's there? Bat. Bat who? Bat-tastic Halloween sweets. No. <laughs> I give that one a two. Two out of Wait ten. Wait Okay. Wait, this one can't be real. Knock, knock. Who's there? Broom. Broom who? Broom ready for some Halloween fun. They didn't even. It's bad enough that you use Chat GPT. Don't just like copy. I don't and, like, think this, this is, is Chat GPT. A human would never, in a thousand years, think to say "broom ready" for some Halloween fun because it makes no sense. That makes no sense. Broom, broom who? Broom who? Broom ready for some Halloween fun? You would never think that. You would never. A human mind would never think that. 
Okay. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay, this is this was our friend's favorite, and I have to say this is a lot of fun. It's this one is kind of redeems the whole thing. Knock knock. Who's there? Hocus. Hocus who? Hocus pocus, give me candy focus. <laughs> Again. Yeah. Uh, okay. It's not right. a human. Right. A human. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think this is chat GPT three and not four. This I think is four, like four would tell a better version. Right. Knock knock. Who's there? Happy. Happy who? Happy Halloween. Time for some doggone good treats. See that one? There's like a dog component that's never introduced in the setup yeah. to the. You know what I mean? Like, well, maybe it is. Maybe it's a callback. Hmm. To an earlier joke that we didn't read. Yeah. Oh. I mean, I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm not. <laughs> okay. Anyway, folks, that was just some knock-knock jokes. Uh, we thank Beckett's dad for forwarding those knock-knock jokes to us, and we just wanted to share them because the, they put a smile on our face. Knock-knock. Uh, oh, who's there, John? Dracula. Dracula who? Dracula lot of laughs with this Halloween joke. See, it's like you can't even be mad at it because it's like, what is that? Dracula lot of laughs. Let's move on to listener questions. Listener questions. Remember those? Yeah. Oh my gosh, this is a listener question about lightning. Hannah writes, I'm catching up on your show and you're talking about lightning. Sorry if this is so off topic to what you're talking about now, but I wanted to tell you about the time my house was struck by lightning while I was in it. Mm. I was walking from the kitchen to the living room and suddenly there was a huge crash and bright light at the exact same time. It was terrifying. The light or sound on its own would have been scary enough, but to happen at the same time, I imagine it to be like when a bomb goes off, but without all the horror or the force that throws people. It was more like I couldn't move, and it took me a minute to realize what happened. I definitely had a moment like, am I dead? My mom came home soon after, and she was panicking, asking me, how did the house catch on fire? I was like, what fire, LOL? She's dramatic. But the house had caught on fire, and the rain and wind put it out. I don't know if it hurt or helped, but the house has all these metal spikes at various points on the roof. Metal cables connect to the spikes and run into the ground. The reason, I think, is because the chestnut tree out back has been struck a bunch of times. It's super gnarled, so I guess it's like a lightning hotspot. Wow, I'm so dumb. It just occurred to me that those spikes are lightning rods, and I Googled to confirm. Whoa, it's a real-time update within her letter to yeah, us. Yeah, I love that. That's I awesome. I wonder what would have happened if we hadn't had them. Honestly, I just thought the previous owners were kind of nuts. Hmm. My favorite little weird thing that happened when the lightning struck was that all the Christmas lights on the house exploded. <laughs> That's my favorite thing, too. Knock, knock. Who's there? Christmas. Christmas who? Christmas lights exploded on my house. Happy holidays. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Thanks. All right. She continues. That's my story. Although one time I was visiting my dad at a hospital that had some sheep in a little meadow. I went to look at them and I started to feel really good, like so happy to see these sheep and giggling <laughs> over them like the world was so bright and beautiful. And I realized... <laughs> <laughs> that the fence I was gleefully grasping was electrified 
and I was being low grade electrocuted. Hannah. The nurse was really worried about me when I told her. So I know not to do it again. And I definitely don't recommend it. But like, what was that? That is like ECT, you know, electroconductive therapy. That's wow. probably how it works. You know? Hannah, you, you are riding, you are riding a wave of pure electricity. Riding what the a, lightning. I mean, so yeah, you are riding the lightning. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That is awesome. That feels like a New Yorker short story. A, a young, really a young woman goes to visit her dad at the hospital, and there's sheep in the meadow behind the hospital. She's probably having a heavy visit with her father, right? It's probably right. bringing up a lot of things, a lot of emotions. Then she goes out and says, I'm going to spend some time looking at this sheep. She goes out and leans on this fence or grabs this fence and is looking at the sheep, and it's just filled with a, such a good feeling, a gleeful feeling looking at the sheep and giggling. Then she realizes she's being electrocuted by the fence. I mean, that's a New Yorker short story right there. Yeah, it's great. I thought oh my it was gosh. a lot darker. I thought something horrible was going to happen to the sheep. No, I think it all worked out. Sounds like it did. All right. I'm going to read this, this slightly dismissive letter that we got from someone named Corey. Okay. So I don't think this is the, I don't think this is our regular listener, Corey. This is somebody else. We'll call this person Dark Corey. Dark Corey writes in, my girlfriend listens to your podcast and I was hearing it in the background. Okay, Corey, God forbid you actually listen to our wonderful podcast with your full attention. He says, uh, I'm obsessed with skylines and high rises. I've been a part of skyscraperpage.com since 2001. I have to respectfully disagree about Charlotte's skyline being particularly impressive pound for pound. It's Let me just say this skyscraper page. That's, those are, those are, that's legit. It is? Okay. Yeah, which is why I was was disappointed with what comes next. Oh, shit. Okay. Corey says, uh, I have to respectfully disagree about Charlotte's skyline being particularly impressive pound for pound. It's a city of 800,000 people and has roughly an identical count of buildings over 500 feet that Pittsburgh has. And Pittsburgh is a city with only 300,000 people. I suppose if you're factoring in massing and development patterns, then you could make a case. But even then, I like Pittsburgh's massing better. In my opinion, Pittsburgh might be the best skyline pound for pound in the country and quite a nice setting as well. So, John, it sounds like this guy who made a point to say that he does not listen to our podcast with his full attention. It's just that his girlfriend listens to it in the background. He says that you are mistaken in praising Charlotte's skyline pound for right. pound. What well, say you to Dark Corey's accusation? I would say that if he had listened, he would probably have heard me say multiple times on various other podcasts oh, shit. that Pittsburgh is one of the greatest pound for pound skylines in America as well. And it certainly has a setting that is much better than Charlotte with the three rivers and all of that. But the thing that frustrated me with his analysis was bringing up the municipal city population of Charlotte as if you can compare Charlotte's 800,000, which by the way, it's 900,000 now mm. to Pittsburgh's 300,000. You know, different places have different rules with annexation. Some cities are located right on the edge of a state border, so they can't expand into that state as well in their city populations. And that's why the experts who do this type of analysis use Metropolitan Statistical Area, which is the Office of Management and Budget that puts these together, and then we can be comparing things together. That's the metro population. So 
if you're using metro population, Pittsburgh and Charlotte are about the same size. Charlotte's actually a little bit bigger. Pittsburgh has been much bigger than Charlotte for most of its history. Charlotte is, is growing fast. Pittsburgh is 2.4 million. It's um, the 26th largest. And uh, Charlotte is 2.8 in the 23rd largest MSA. So if you're using the city statistics like that, mm-hmm. then you would – Miami only has 450,000. Whoa. But the Miami metro is 6 million. Atlanta only has 500,000. Um, it ranks 38th largest city, but the Atlanta metro ranks 8th. So if you were using city population, you would say Atlanta and Miami are pound for pound the best, but that would be ridiculous. So that was my main issue with this. Okay. So, but good for Pittsburgh. It's great. Good for all of us. Yeah. And Pittsburgh, because it's shrinking, sadly, is going to get even higher in the pound for pound rankings. Oh, interesting. In in many ways, Charlotte is getting less good in those rankings because its population is growing so much. I would live in Pittsburgh. I like Pittsburgh. Yeah, I could see a situation where I live in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Environmentally, it's also a good place for global warming. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So maybe Pittsburgh will have a will have a golden age in the future. Yeah. I think it might. I've always enjoyed my time in Pittsburgh and there's nothing and we've talked about it before. Nothing beats driving into Pittsburgh at night. I mean, come on, man. It's like fucking being in that movie Akira when they're driving their motorcycles through Tokyo or yeah, whatever. Yeah, the steel building, although oh I hate that God. they have UPMC sign on it now for Pitt Medical Center or something. Yeah, all these cities that are, you know, now shrinking and, and you know, they were huge at one point. You know, Cleveland and Pittsburgh and Buffalo, those were in the top 10 That's in so cities. Crazy. And even though they're small now, you know, people would look at them and say, well, you know, Pittsburgh's got all these great institutions compared to Charlotte and it's much smaller. Well, Pittsburgh has been there, you know, places like Charlotte. And Phoenix and all that. It doesn't matter how big they are. They just, it's how long you've been big. And those cities also benefited from having industrial tycoons during the golden age of American philanthropy. Yeah. When it was just like, I'm going to start a museum. I'm going to start a library. I'm going to start this. I'm going to start that. And it's such an awesome thing to have. You know, St. Louis and Cincinnati has an amazing uh, symphony and, and yeah. Cleveland Symphony. Well, it was one of the best in the world. Yeah. And meanwhile, today's tycoons, I mean, some of them give money, but it's like, I don't know, like what's Jeff Bezos giving his money to? He said, when I die, I'm going to give away all my money to global warming. It's by the time you die, it's going to be too late. Yeah. You bum. By the time he dies, we're not going to have skyscrapers. Every piece of land is just going to be taken by Amazon warehouses. It is crazy how many warehouses are being built here for Amazon. In just North Carolina? Huge. Yeah, just everywhere. Man, North Carolina sucks. I was going to move back to North Carolina. Should I stay away from North Carolina now? Does it suck? No, those Amazon warehouses are being built everywhere. Uh, how am I going to escape this reality, John? I Tell me now. Know. 
I need a foolproof method to escape what if reality. What Amazon disappeared and just like went out of business in like 10 years? It was like, oh, yeah, no, Amazon. I mean. Like they made a bunch so, of bad decisions and uh, they ran yes. out of money and it doesn't exist anymore. Someone said something. I was having a conversation with someone the other day and they were talking about, well, you know, maybe it'll be somebody that can rival Amazon. And it's just like <laughs> Amazon is going to be here for a million years. It would have to be a company from a different planet. Right. Exactly. That's the only way it would work. Like nothing on earth is going to rival Amazon. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Huh. Like, what were they thinking? Like Sears Roebuck? I don't know. It was, it was some... It, Brandles. It was, it, was, we, it was... We were ordering... It was... We were ordering a um, Halloween costume from someplace called Zamage. Like damage with a Z. That's fucking tough And then the second hell. you order from it, you get a... You get a alert on your phone from the bank saying fraud alert because this is probably a a site where you know 90 percent of the stuff you order gets returned right so um oh it's like when i ordered that fucking drum machine from wuhan china that's exactly yeah i got a drum machine when they sent me an oven mitt remember that yeah remember those Uh, days that was during covid remember that we're all stuck in our house. Yeah, COVID's still here. I know it's crazy hey have you gotten your uh your booster yeah man i got my booster and my flu shot I had to go make my documentary. It was one of the reasons we took our hiatus. I was shooting this little documentary with a friend, and the person that we were interviewing is uh, going to be 97 years old in December. So I wanted to be all up to date on my stuff. So I went and got all my my shots. Okay. I wish I could have gotten a vaccine for the way the world is going these days, according to the newspapers I read. But I guess they don't make that vaccine. I guess we have to make it ourselves, right? Yeah. All right. That's enough of this. Thursday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Go to the Discord. We're going to watch the the classic comedy, The Cable Guy, a John Kimball favorite. I I think it's I think it holds up. I love that you didn't know that they made a movie about Superman since the 1970s. Well, I know they made like Superman three. Yeah, but that was like 40 years ago, bro. They made a bunch of Superman movies. I knew they did like things on TV. There was No, like, man. They made real know. movies. I, and I truly think they made one called Superman versus Batman. Can you imagine? Yeah. I How remember. could Batman last 10 seconds with Superman? Superman's a fucking space alien who can fly. Yeah, he's the best superhero in my opinion. <laughs> now we're getting into it. All right, let's save that. Let's save that for a special episode. Okay. Where we rank all known superheroes. All right. Your favorite is Superman. My favorite is The Watcher. I sit on Jupiter and watch all you humans run around. Oh, and Silver Surfer. Remember Silver Surfer? See, this? Yeah, that's classic. I think I do think they were all on drugs. Sure. He was a spaceman with a surfboard. What? Election Profit Makers is an independent production. We welcome your support on Patreon at patreon.com slash electionprofitmakers. And if you sign up for Patreon, you'll receive some wonderful EBM stickers in the mail, and you'll also get an invite code to our private Discord. Send your election prediction questions, skyline requests, bird recordings, any other things to contact at electionprofitmakers.com. And if you want to advertise with us, you can email that same address, contact at electionprofitmakers.com. And we're back and we're and we're so glad to be back. And let's have a terrific autumn in spite of everything. Let's have a lot of fun this fall. Yes. 